Hello dear listeners and welcome to That Economics Podcast. I am your host for today, Nikita Vivek Kumar, and I will be speaking on the topic Economic History of the UK in the 18th Century. The 18th century was prosperous as entrepreneurs extended the range of their businesses around the globe. By the 1720s, Britain was one of the most prosperous countries in the world. Daniel Defoe boasted, "We are the most diligent nation in the world." Vast trade, rich manufacturers, mighty wealth, universal correspondence and happy success have been constant companions of England and given us the title of an industrious people. While the other major powers were primarily motivated towards territorial gains and protection of their dynasties, Britain had a different set of primary interests. Its main diplomatic goal was building a worldwide trading network for its merchants, manufacturers, shippers and financiers. This required a homogeneous royal navy so powerful that no rival could sweep its ship from the world's trading routes or invade the British Isles. The London government enhanced the private sector by incorporating numerous private financed London-based companies for establishing trading posts and opening import-export businesses across the world. Each was given a monopoly of trade to the specific geographical region. The first enterprise was the Muscovy Company set up in 1555 to the to trade with Russia. Other prominent enterprises included the East India Company and the Hudson's Bay Company in Canada. The company of Royal Adventurers trading to Africa had been set up in 1662 to trade in gold, ivory and slaves in Africa. It was re-established as the Royal African Company in 1672 and focused on slave trade. British involvement in the each of the four major wars 1740 to 1783 paid off handsomely in terms of trade even the loss of 13 colonies was made up by a very favorable trading relationship with the new united states of america british gained dominance in the trade with india and largely dominated the highly lucrative slave sugar and commercial trades originating in west africa and the west indies Exports soared from 6.5 million pounds in 1700 to 14.7 million pounds in 1760s and 14.2 million pounds in 1800s. Other powers set up similar monopolies on a much smaller scale. Only the Netherlands emphasized trade as much as England. Most of the companies earned good profit and enormous personal fortunes were created in India. However, there were one there was one major fiasco that caused heavy losses the south sea bubble was a business enterprise that exploded in scandal the south sea company was a private business corporation supposedly set up much like the other trading companies with a focus on south america its actual purpose was to re- was to renegotiate previously high interest government loans amounting to 31 million pounds through market manipulation and speculation it issued stock four times in 1720 that reached about 8000 investors price kept soaring every day from 130 pounds a share to 1000 pounds with insiders making huge paper profits The bubble collapsed overnight, ruining many speculators. Investigations showed bribes had reached into high places. Even the king, 
his chief minister robert walpole managed to wind it down and minimal political and economical damage although some losers fled to exile or even committed suicide the age of merchantism the basis of british empire was founded in the age of merchantilism an economic theory that stressed maximizing the trade outside the empire and trying to weaken rival empires merchantism was the basic policy imposed by britain on its colonies merchantilism meant that the government and the merchants became partners with the goal of increasing political power and private wealth to exclusion of other empires the government protected its merchants and kept others out by trade barriers regulations subsidies to domestic industries in order to maximize exports from and minimize imports to the realm the navigation acts of the late 17th century provided the legal foundation of merchantilist policy they required all trade to be carried in england ship england in english ships manned by english crew colonies colonists were required to send their produce and raw materials first of all to britain where the surplus was then sold by british merchants to other colonies in the british empire or billion earning external markets the colonies were forbidden to trade directly with other nations or rival empires the goal was to maintain north american and caribbean colonies as dependent agricultural economies geared towards producing raw material for export to britain the growth of native industries was discouraged in order to keep the colonies de- dependent on british for their final goods manufacturing besides woolen woolens manufacturing besides woolens cotton silk and linen clothes manufacturing manufacturing besides woolens cotton silk and linen cloth manufacturing became important after the 1600s as did coal and iron in 1709 abraham darby one established a coke fired blast furnace to produce cast iron replacing charcoal although continuing the continuing to use blast furnaces the the, the ensuing availability of inexpensive iron was one of the fa- one of the factors leading to the industrial revolution towards the end of 18th century cast iron began to replace wrought iron for certain purposes because it was cheaper carbon content in iron was not implicated as the reason for the differences in properties of wrought iron cast iron and steel until the 18th century what followed next was what we all today knows as industrial revolution and that brings us to the end of our four episode podcast thank you so much for tuning in and have a great day signing off <laughs>